Geek Shock. Geek Shock. Let's, let's see what happens. Oh, oh they're here oh, now. Okay. Oh, hand me oh. that phone. Oh, okay. Oh, God. Pull me back out. <laughs> Fucking podcast injury. <laughs> File for workman's comp. Oh. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> we need to start a Patreon so we can pay into the workman's comp program. Our first tier, folks, is we get workman's comp. I'd say medical benefits are second tier, but actually that's a third tier item. So, what do we want to uh, model it after? Wh- which country is medical? No, I, what? We're not. When a we country. get past workman's comp, yeah. the next level is we want full coverage medical on the show. Right? Yeah. So, what do we want to do? Oh, we need some heavy tiers for that. Or, I don't. I don't. We're in America. Toronto trader. No, I want. I want. I want. <laughs> we, we, I want state-run medical in this room right here. Oh, I see. Oh, 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 you mean like what California is doing now? Oh, because I see. Of the, okay, so, yeah. Hey, you know, wouldn't that be friggin' hilarious if we actually did create an, a, a medical insurance exchange off of Geek Shock? Oh, wow. You know, funded by Patreon. <laughs> and we just, we get into the Obamacare system. Right. Yeah. We're Obamacare Electrum. Not quite silver, not quite ah, gold. Yeah. <laughs> God, the Electrum piece. Was there ever a more feudal <laughs> coin in Dungeons and Dragons? Well, you know what's really funny? That actually did exist. And I think that was actually at, at, at some period, Iron Age, Bronze Age, at some period, it was actually a more popular piece of coinage uh, than gold. For obvious reasons, because gold is gold and... The truth is, ancient times was a silver standard, not a gold yep. standard. Yep. Silver was the way. All right. So, so. Oh, oh okay. My, the my gold people, piece. My people right. killed for the less. gold piece. Two electrum pieces equal to gold piece? Yes. All right. Ten right. silver to gold. Yes. Hundred copper to gold. Uh, yeah. All right. There's a decimal system. Electrum kind of makes sense in that because I guess since it wasn't, even though it's a decimal system, there was that 0.5 of electrum. Right. Right, that, that people were like electrum pieces, fuck that. Yeah. Well, it, also it's really funny that it was a decimal system, considering that Gary Gygax, um, he hated metric, and he made a good argument for the 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 base twelve measuring system that America used because it's like twelve can be divided in half and quarters, but also into thirds, which actually. It makes for better breakdown of measurements and all that shit when you do stuff. Andy, thank you for joining us. Hi there. We, we decided to press record early just for the hell of it. Oh, okay. So, Craziness. So the show hasn't started. This is pre-show. Ah, okay. So, yep. All right. <clears throat> did you did were, did uh, did you get Let a lap guess. dance? Let me guess. Yeah, you got a lap dance at uh, high scores because you know. Woo-hoo. Well, hey, it's called high scores. Oh, okay, yeah. so you didn't go to scores. You went to high scores. High scores. High scores. Okay. Yeah. Very scores. That's, that's the one. That's the that's the scores with the hookah lounge mm. with the special hookah. Mm. <laughs> that's the one with the free pinball games or free video games. This is the one that's in Henderson. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I've been there. They they used to have uh, Walking Dead nights. Probably still do. Probably. But uh, how is that little video game room in the back? 
It's pretty good, actually. They uh, they got like the six person uh, X Men game. So like, oh yeah, know, yeah. We need to swamp it sometime and get six people on that sucker. Do they still have the Simpsons game? Uh, if they did, I missed it. How about versus Pac Man? Yes, we played. Uh, Jeff and I played that. Versus Pac Man is great. I uh, I got one more game. He ate more pills. Yeah, and if I remember right, it's uh, somebody plays Pac. Is it everybody plays Pac Man? You yeah, can eat each other. Yeah, you're all right? playing at the same time. And you can eat each other okay. once you get that magic pill. Yeah. Um, what did you do to Jeff? Where'd you leave him? Oh, uh, he, was, he was stopping to get uh, something. He said he had to stop for somewhere and get food or something or drinks or something. <laughs> oh, you not, guys not. went out to dinner and didn't get dinner. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Oh, and I left shit. I have cookies in the car. Damn it. Right. I'll go Jesus get Christ. It's still pre-show. You can go, go get, get your cookies. I'll go get my cookies. It's okay. Call time was only yesterday. Yeah. You're only, uh, only five minutes after right now. We're good. Eight o'clock, quarter to my clock, baby. <laughs> I don't live off your clock. I live off Jeff's clock, and you know Jeff's clock's accurate. Yeah, Jeff will not have a non-accurate clock in Andy, this house. Andy, you do realize that in the age of the cell phone, the whole my clock argument is just has no... Why do you need your adventure satchel to go to your car? <laughs> then take your keys out oh, now. I was going to, and then I figured it's And you got to lope it over your shoulder. <laughs> 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 what the hell? <laughs> hey, get out of here. Leave. <laughs> It's Andy's birthday, he, by the way. <laughs> he put it over his shoulder. He did, like he was going to go on an adventure. Yeah. To get his keys. Yeah. Or, or to go, go his, to his, his car. Because he had his keys. Right. It's like Indiana Jones holding the idol. Indiana Jones. Indiana oh, Jones. Oh, wow. Uh-oh. Have we already named this episode? The sh- show didn't even start yet. We've an- <laughs> partially named the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Andy and, and and what's best, he isn't even here for it. He has no idea. He won't know till it drops tomorrow. Wow. That's that's beautiful. I almost wanna I almost wanna replace fact check Andy altogether. Andiana Jones. Andiana Jones. Well Well he 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 has the adventure look. Yeah. He's 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 got that, that khaki multi pocketed. And have you seen his shirts? sun hat? The one with the, the the, the flaps on the back to protect the neck. He, he's got one of those. And, of course, the adventure satchel, which we have, you know. Looks like which a, I, I shamed him into leaving behind. Yes. He's probably feeling naked right now. He's walking out to his car holding his nuts. Shivering. Because he's just, like, feeling so exposed. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, he looks like a North African soldier from the 18th century. His hat would make 19th. French foreign legionnaires jealous. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. That it is, it is quite the sun hat. It's amazing. It's actually pretty useful. I I had to cobble one together from a, a military hat I bought from surplus, and then I like pinned a bandana to it, you know, because unlike Andy, I'm broke. You survived. Oh wow! Hey, wait, what? What? This? You're handing me cookies here. What? The, the very, uh, very, meringue, warm. Huh? <laughs> very warm. Very warm. Meringue. Warm cookies. Are those Andy meringue. Those are ones that Frankie made for me. Okay. Frankie meringue. Frankie meringue. Those were my favorite cookies when I was a kid. Frankie cookies. And uh, my mom would never make them because they were too complicated to make. Aw, it's okay. Frankie makes. And Frankie them makes them for me, and she's also told me that they're essentially egg white and sugar, and there's nothing to make in them. My mom must have been a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She doesn't want to do the whipping motion. That's why. Pretty much, yeah. You know. Yeah, I think maybe it's separating the egg and the, the the yolk and the white. I don't know what it is. But oh man, yeah. if you don't have a knack for that, mm. that fucking because if you do it wrong, mm. the yolk bursts. The whole white is for shit. 
And and now you got to make scrambled eggs on top of whatever Are else. Are you siding with my dead mother? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm taking her side. Someone's got to stand you. up for her. Hola, Jeff. Oh, that's Welcome. what he needed. He needed batteries. Now I remember. <laughs> oh, he needed batteries for the Yoda. You... You will be proud to know, Jeff, that Andy made you sound like an idiot because <laughs> you guys went out for dinner, and then on your way back for the podcast, he said you had to stop for food. <laughs> or drinks or something. I said food or drinks or something. I can't remember what. Now I remember it's, it's batteries. Yeah. The logical next iteration of food or Well, drink. you know, it's you know energy. You know, Even though thing. we're recording, we haven't officially started the show, so you're, you're so still good. Andy's I, I chain ask. of relationships. <laughs> food, drink, batteries. Sun, <laughs> it's all energy. Did you guys enjoy your date, huh? Date oh, night? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. They have trivia night there on Tuesdays at seven. Yeah. Did yeah. you engage? Or no, we didn't because we had to get this. Jealous that I'm the only person that decided to go celebrate Andy's birthday yeah, with cocksuckers. Oh, I think it's sweet. Yeah. I I do too. Especially after Andy hey. said cocksucker. <laughs> hey, I, I, was, I was busy. I had other stuff to do. No. You're always busy, Matt. I am. Always busy. Busy man. Here, pass that to Matt since he obviously doesn't care about my birthday. I forgot oh, about your fine. birthday. I apologize. <laughs> oh, Happy this. birthday, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel like a jackass. All right. All right. <laughs> and my birthday is complete. <laughs> well, there the you go. The circle is complete. Matt's going to reach in the bag and pull out this piece of paper that says jackass. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, folks. It's Geek Shock number 391. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Fact check Andy. May I believe not. And we're here to talk <laughs> Weekend Geek. What'd he give you? Come on, come on. Man. Unwrap it. A Golden Knight shirt. Nice. Oh. The golden. It, is, it is the right size. Perfect. Yeah. The Tent go- size. The mm-hmm. Golden Knights being Las Vegas's brand new. A hockey team. When water gets hard, and people skate on it. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> team. team. <laughs> that's how they say it in Canada. Most oh, people put it in their drinks, but that's okay. <laughs> wow. This is an innuendo-filled podcast already. Yeah. Well, innuendo? I hate you. Not my endo, baby. We, we've already named the podcast before you walked in the door, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you, Andy. I You're appreciate quite it. welcome. Here, have one of your stupid moose quarters, too. There you go. You mean a caribou? Learn your animals. Oh, it's a caribou. Oh, wow. Well, no. It's a moose corner. Well, it's not Timbits. And how dare you make fun of the queen? Yes. <laughs> that, thing, that thing's worth almost 12 cents. <laughs> Actually, it's worth 25 cents. It only changes once you get to the dollar. Okay. So, uh, everyone here has seen uh, Wonder Woman. Yes, we have. Wonder yes. Woman! Terrific, terrific. And of course, as our normal course of things, we will not talk spoiler about it until next week. Except for the one part where... Stop it. And then... (laughs) So, But I do want to know your impressions, gentlemen. Being... Don't spoil it, but I want to know your thoughts. Claire Underwood was great in the movie. Who? Claire Underwood. Robin Wright. Yes. Mm. Oh, okay. (laughs) You mean mean Princess Buttercup? Yes. Yes. Oh, boy, what a buttercup she was in this Mm. one. (laughs) She was terrific. Yes. She had the sweetest smile. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Uh, I really, really, really enjoyed it. I really did. It was was so good. Yeah. DC finally has a movie they don't make excuses about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hey, now, Suicide Squad was good. (laughs) So was Man of Steel. I'm with Todd on this one. I agree. I disagree on Man of Steel. There is no end of credit scene. Just, yeah, you know, I did. I, I did that last <laughs> yeah. night too. I waited, waited, waited. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I guess Nick Fury is not going to show up. Fine. They, they, I, I, seriously, I think it's like a little statement. 
you know, that they made there. Hey, you know what I did? Anything like What's that? that? Smarter than all of you. I, I went, hmm. I wonder if there's any. And I reached in my pocket, grabbed my cell phone, and went, nope, not. And I walked out. You know, <laughs> you, you <laughs> opened your phone in the theater? You monster. Yes, yes I did. Really? Goddamn right. monster. Everyone line up. Socialist. Everyone line up. You get one punch. Uh, <laughs> I usually tried. There's a couple of websites that that list the current movies in the theaters that have stingers and check to see if it had it. But I was doing so many other things yesterday. I really got in the theater and I was like, shit, I forgot to check to see if this one has a stinger or not. So I'm like, the, the eh, music well, was nice to listen to. And my date was just watch. like, well, we can just wait and see. And I'm like, okay. Your date. Yes. Huh? Andy. <laughs> no, that was tonight. I, I saw the movie yesterday. That's right. He plays the field. Wow, does he? Andy, yeah. You're going to just sit there and take that shit? Hey, I'm an open-minded guy. <laughs> what are some of your other thoughts, gentlemen? Um, I don't know that I ever really had any doubts about Gal Gadot before seeing her in Batman v Superman, but she was one of the best parts of Batman v Superman. And I knew immediately that she could totally carry a solo film. And boy, was I right. She she didn't have to. No, she didn't have to, but she totally did. Uh, You know, and and that's not saying anything against the ensemble cast that was with her because all of those guys played their parts very well in addition to her. So, I mean, it just, it was a very well-rounded film, but, you know, clearly, you know, it was about her and her you know her journey and i just it was it was very good it was very good i really enjoyed it nobody nobody in that film should be embarrassed of being in that film everyone is absolutely on yeah. top in fact, of their I, game. I got uh, ridiculously excited when ewan bremner showed up he's the one that played charlie the one that yeah the, the one that i mistakenly the one thought that sings was, <laughs> the one i mistakenly yeah. thought was uh, um simon Pegg for a while for until <laughs> Jeff corrected me. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Simon Pegg really kind of let himself go. And I'm like, that wasn't Simon Pegg. Because I watched. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, are you sure? And then he came in, in the middle of that and I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> he went on IMDb and he's like, yep, you're right. Because <laughs> <laughs> earlier this week, I watched Train Spotting. Oh, okay. right. Where he plays Spud in okay, that. Yeah, and yeah. so when I saw him on the screen, I was like, is that Spud? It's Spud! <laughs> and I was immediately a fan of the character. The, the, I didn't expect him to make it through the movie at all. The, the old train spotting? or the Because uh, I know they're doing, a, they're doing a sequel or they did a sequel. They, they did are a do, sequel. Did they do this? Is it finished? It's. Ooh. I think it's finished, but I don't know if it's hit the theater. Okay, yet. so it's not released. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know Danny Boyle was returning to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so it was great to see him again on the screen. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, <clears throat> I'm also impressed. I mean, I knew that that DC was taking the tact of uh, of lesser known, le- lower profile directors mm-hmm. and giving them the work. Uh, I had not realized until I fully researched it that Monster is Patty Jenkins' only other feature length film. Oh yeah, she's got like four or five shorts to her name uh, and s- TV stuff, but that's it. Really, Monster is the only other feature-length movie she has directed. Oh, forget she won an Oscar that. for that, right? I'm pretty sure. Uh, I don't think she won an Oscar. I think Charlize Theron did. Theron yeah. did. Yeah. So I mean, it is an Oscar-winning movie, and I it was Theron a was fucking hell of a movie too. Right. Um, yeah, the movie is not. I mean, I don't want to be that guy. It's not perfect, but 
I think it is a very high bar. It, it, it did a real new standard for DC. Definitely. And has, and has helped immeasurably uh, DC's cachet into moving forward with movies. So it, it and, and yeah, uh, Gal Gadot was, there is, uh, there's one bit, <clears throat> I won't spoil it, but I'll, I'll, I'll gist it. Um, a character who was against something turns around and becomes in favor of something, and in that scene where that character comes around, Godot gets this smile on her face. And a lesser director and a, a lesser actress would have had Wonder Woman beaming, big toothy smile, which, you know, Godot has a fantastic smile. Yeah. And she would have been all girly pleased. And in this one, she actually gave a rather regal smile of satisfaction as though to say um you you've come around you've made the right decision this helps us and i'm very happy and very proud of you and it's it's a it's touches like that through the movie right that i really really did appreciate it's just it was just it was just it was great mm -hmm. it was great i just love the movie i love gal godot as wonder woman yeah. Um, the, the other, the other Amazons, um, not only, I mean, not only do you have, uh, <clears throat> uh, Comoda's sister from Gladiator, who was Hippolyta, mm -hmm. and Princess Buttercup, they actually hired, um, uh, athle uh, female athletes for the other Amazon roles. So, uh, a lot of what you see there are people doing their own stunts, or... It, at the very least, looking like they could do their own stunts, which is great work there. And yeah, the, all the action scenes stunning. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, you got a taste of it in the preview, but boy, when that unloads, I yeah. have I have bitched about slow mo moments in movies before because they've gotten way too gratuitous. I think the apex was like a Clash of the Titans, Wrath of the Titans. Oh right, where yeah. it was it was damn near almost every single attack was a slow mo, mm. but in this one we had several slow mo shots that I actually appreciated and enjoyed, and I felt that they added to the action scene, <clears throat> and so stuff like that, choices like that that are just the use of World War One. Yep, worked, you know, and uh, there are plenty of reviewers who explain why. And I, I agree with their assessment and how they feel about it. We can get into that deeper next uh, right. next week. But well, the 20 years between the end of World War One and the beginning of World War Two are a huge leap forward for women. So setting her back that much further really make, makes a shift between... Right. And yeah. it's not just women, but the nature of War Two, mm -hmm. Because I think they wanted, to, they wanted to make a statement about gray area conflict... And a couple reviewers for different things have pointed out, World War II, you just can't do that. Mm -hmm. Be, you, do, whether, whether we feel that the Nazis and the Imperial Japanese were truly awful people and belong in that category of, you know, of evil, the leaderships, or you, uh, you simply believe that the, the propaganda from World War II is so ingrained in culture, there's no shaking loose the black and white good versus evil uh, groundwork for World War II that 
Wonder Woman was not striving for, and therefore World War II would have been difficult for them to do that. Sure. Mm-hmm. You also have a bad guy that you can blame that's no longer around, or part of them, Ottoman Empire and all that. Mm-hmm. So you had, you're not right, going to like... Unlike Hitler, that's still kicking around. <laughs> I'm saying <laughs> the, Ger- the Germans, you idiot. Oh, okay. okay. It's like... <laughs> <God>. <laughs> As your shirt. <laughs> God. Boy, oh boy, give the guy a birthday and he's really feeling his own. <laughs> uh, there were moments in the movie that I was just plain giddy. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Like, like, brought me back to, like, original uh, Keaton Batman giddy. Mm. And I'm like, if I am feeling this way in this movie theater, because Batman was the formative comic book movie, Tim Burton's original, for me. And that's... Yeah, you can back a lot of my comic book geekdom to that movie that and I could only imagine and, and just the, the thrill of imagining that so many girls are having that same experience with this movie because if I want to be Wonder Woman watching this movie <laughs> I'm sure they are chomping at the bits to be Wonder Woman and, and it's beautiful too I mean uh, I, w- I would watch three hours of Themyscira if they'd you know give it to us Dude, Sunday Sunday day. So we went to see the movie Saturday night. Uh, Sunday we went to uh, one of Paulette's little. Uh, her friend has a little daughter who's turning five. I think she was five. We bought her a whole Wonder Woman outfit. So it was funny seeing her the whole party running around dressed up like Wonder Woman because yeah. they just saw the movie before. Oh, that's oh, great! Yeah. Nice, nice. That's nice. So I love it. And it's not. It's really funny because uh, I forget if it was if it was just Bob or. Uh, red letter media half in the bag. I'm I'm actually conflating the two. I can't. But one of them made the funny joke. At last, a hero little girls can look up to. You know, never mind. And then it starts with <laughs> Susan B. Anthony, Harriet Tubman, Rosa Parks. Blah, 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 you know, run and just ran through a whole list of historical. That sounds like a red letter media kind of thing. Yeah, and it was really funny. And it there is a basis of a point, but at the same time. That doesn't change the fact that little boys have got a metric mm-hmm. shit ton of male hero characters to look up to. Sure. And that downplays Harriet Tubman's sword work. She was great with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Harriet Tubman, Vampire Slayer. Yes. Trademark. Wait, wait okay, yeah, I'll cut, do that. Cut that. I'm going to start writing that now. i got nothing to do. <laughs> TM audience, don't even think about it. And he's on it. <laughs> But, but um, yeah, it is. It is. Those images of, uh, there's that beautiful picture of uh, Gal Gadot and Linda Carter on the red carpet posing. And in the crowd behind him are like a half dozen girls in Wonder Woman costume. Right. Yeah. That and is a I'm cool picture. I'm absolutely getting out with that. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like, go for it. Do it. And, and who, there, there's some idiot actually... I don't know if you guys saw this. Somebody shared it on Facebook. Some idiot actually did post, I'm still waiting for a guy who isn't trying to get laid and not <laughs> trying to show himself as being woke and not trying to blah, blah, blah. Tell me Wonder Woman was great. And it's I, like, I already have a girlfriend. We'll have to prove. Yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah. It's, well, well. it's sort of like, what kind of guys is this guy hanging out with that he hasn't met one single guy who is... Seen that movie and just loved it because he's loved it, and not had an agenda or some or <laughs> he perceives an agenda. I don't. That almost sounds like a rather desolate social life. Mm. Yeah, 
Anything else about the movie before we adjourn to spoiler talk next say, week? Yeah. Looking forward Without to Justice League. Spoilers, I don't think so. But uh, yeah, just overall, very pleasant. I'm not going to say surprised, but just thankful that yeah. that movie got made. Yeah. I have one nitpick about the last one. I'll save it for next week. Oh, okay. I got you. Got you. Mm. See the preview for Justice League at the start of it? Yeah. No, did we? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. going to be good. I'm, yeah, it I'm looks really good. One, yeah. And I'm not an Aquaman fan, but uh, they picked a good actor for it. Yeah. He's, uh, he doesn't look it. cheesy. Yeah. And I do like the uh, the brand new DC Comics uh, opening yes. for the film. That, mm-hmm. was, that was nice to see. All right, Jeleny, what, are, what geeky things you do this week besides see Wonder Woman? Yeah, it kind of trumps it, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> well, for, for Matt's for Matt's joy, I, I did go to the one in Fandom Bar, uh, <laughs> but I just I just like swung in there after doing something else, it was like like ten o'clock at night. They're like Andy, yeah, and Andy. I just missed, I was at the end of a private birthday party, oh. so it was open. Where? But uh, they apparently they was open, so like I walked up to the one in Fandom Bar and like eight or nine Wonder Woman hanging outside, and apparently I'd missed a Wonder Woman burlesque tr- uh, routine. <laughs> Well, but uh, Alex showed me some footage of it, and it was uh, so there was some great lasso work. She was actually twirling the lasso. Oh wow, nice! Mm-hmm. That's actually the uh, oh that that That's was the, the other thing of, that that reminds me. Uh, I was wondering how they were going to bring the lasso of truth into the movie without making it look cheesy, mm-hmm. and it worked really well in the movie. Mm-hmm. That just it just popped into my brain. The just now, of the script and how it's introduced yeah. a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it none of the 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 powers looked. Stupid, mm-hmm. you know, because I mean, some you're, when you're young, you read the comics, you're like, "Oh, that's cool," and then you get older, and you're like, "How are they going to put that in a live action movie without making it look stupid?" And it didn't. So, there you go. Well, my trip to, to the Dark Tower has been waylaid. What? Uh oh. Yes. The man in black struck. Because uh, I read, I finished Sleeping Giants. That's the Geek Shock Book Club book for this month. We'll be discussing that on the eighth. All right. And so I went back to the beginning of Wolves of the Kala, which mm. is the, the current book that I am on of the Gunslinger. Yeah. Isn't that what uh, John Lennon says in Dream Number Nine? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't no, know. No, I'm just sorry. Bad joke. But then. Thumbs up, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> but then it quickly starts talking about somebody from Sal- um, Jerusalem's lot, Salem's lot. Okay. Sure. There are two books that I have saved from earlier King's library. Because King is getting up in years that I wanted to have these two books available to me whenever I was missing King somewhere down the line. So I purposely have not read Salem's Lot. Oh. I've purposely not read Cujo. <laughs> Those wow. are the only two books. Really? The only two books of King's earlier stuff that I have not read. And again, on purpose, so I have those to go to should I ever want an earlier style King book. But now the Wolves of the Kala have introduced to me characters from Salem's Lot. That's mm. So Where? I've immediately had to stop Wolves of Kala, and I am about a quarter of the way through Salem's Lot. Wow. Wow. I haven't read a lot of King, but I've read Salem's Lot, and that is so far been my favorite. There's a short story that takes place in Jerusalem's Lot, too. It's called Jerusalem's Lot. Yeah, actually. okay. Yeah, it's yeah. in the, the Night Shift collection. Yes. I've read it. Yeah. And it and uh, were there some sweet sounds? My, you're just you're just full of them today. 
Did you have chocolate and ice cream or something for dessert? You're like, oh. no, I didn't have dessert tonight. Oh, because you got like he a lot of energy. just had batteries. Yeah. But yeah, Salem's Lot is super good. I'll post this on the uh, keep going. I'll, I'm finding a picture. I, I I hate that I've I've had to uh, break what I was saving. I still have Cujo. I'm good for that. But yeah, so I'm gonna read uh, Salem's Lot so I can continue the Wolves of the Kala. And that is Jeff holding up a big wiener, bacon wrapped corn dog, bacon wrapped corn. Which he managed to even when I said. Throbbing uncircumcised member in front of it. That is. Uh, he was like, ah, oh, I just ignored you. Just so I can bring everyone in, Andy is holding up a picture to me of Jeff holding up a big wiener. I'm posting it on the wear now. Throwing it on the wear is a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Bacon wrapped corn dog. How was it? It was good. It was really good. Did it, Was it one of those things like when you were done with it, you're like, ooh, I, f- I feel that? Well, the one that he showed you in the picture there, the plate comes with two of those and. Your choice of regular or garlic parmesan fries. Let's to just it. say I did not finish the whole <laughs> meal because that, that's a massive corn dog. It is. So yeah, no, it was very tasty. Because uh, I, whenever I've eaten like a deep fried Twinkie or deep fried Snickers bar or any of these the, the horrible fair food, afterwards I have a real deep body regret. Like like I feel oily on the inside. Well, I'm just surprised Andy hasn't really talked about why we were. Uh, where we were adding dinner, uh, it was a place called High Scores, which is a barcade. It's literally a bar and free-to-play arcade. So they have not a huge selection of games, but games you'll know. He Some was, of them he, in he was uh, talking about the X-Men game. Yes. And he was talking about the versus Pac-Man machine. Any other uh, grand pieces to add to it? Uh, they had uh, a few multiplay cabinets so that you could you know, select different games and so forth. We, we tried to play two-player Joust. Unfortunately, my flat button was not working, so I was well, that's stuck. that's a short game. Yeah, I was stuck on the, on the <laughs> ground just running back and forth. That, that's extreme difficulty, Jeff, playing flat, yeah. uh, Joust with no flat button. Flightless Joust. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I realize it's super difficult to keep those games in, you know, the highest state of repair, considering how old many of them are and uh, how few and far between some of the parts are but uh still just the fact that it was it was there everything was free to play it was uh it was a lot of fun i've been there a couple times as i mentioned earlier they used to have uh walking dead nights okay i've seen some of their machines come in and out but i've been there in a while so i just wonder what the changes were and i know there's there's another one that the one we went to was in henderson but there's another one uh on blue diamond like Decatur or Rainbow. That's, oh, wow. I guess, the original location. Oh, but uh, huh. yeah, the Henderson one. This just in, Professor Biggs posted on Facebook, well, good news, bad news on health front. Good news, prostate, heart, and lungs all good. Bad news, I've shrunk an inch and Where I'm 20 at? pounds heavier than I thought and I have high blood pressure. Oh, he meant his actual height. Okay, never mind. And you're mm-hmm. interrupting the show for his, his health? Uh... He's Professor Biggs. <laughs> <laughs> we interrupted the show for Mr. Not Heart Attack. Well, that's because it happened during the show. Well, this just got posted during the show. I rest my case. Man, you guys are a mess tonight. What other geeky <laughs> things you do? He's on fire tonight. All three of you. All three of you. Right, poor old Matt. He's just sitting there, same as always. <laughs> Not enjoying There we go. Shirt. New name. Same old Matt. <laughs> <laughs> same day, different Matt. Wait, no. 
Anything else, guys? That's a big, big no. Yeah. Yep. Let's do I some was busy email. being unemployed. It's a busy time yeah. for that. Yeah. You got to you got to fill the time mm-hmm. with with the important things. Yeah. Played a lot of Diablo. <laughs> That's important. Yeah. Very important. It's also I, geeky. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the night. <laughs> Wait, is that a euphemism for something? Mm, I wish it was. Okay. <laughs> Let's do a little email, gentlemen. Dear Geek Shock Lords, fair warning, this will get a little personal, but I felt it was worth sharing. You guys have done the spoiler talk in episodes before where you tell us when the talk starts and provide the timestamp in the show notes. I've often just rolled with it since they mostly tied to Star Wars related things and spoilers don't trouble me there after Lucas decided to thrust his revisionist dick so deep into Star Wars darkest recesses with that second trilogy. Ouch. Somebody's still feeling it 15 years after? That's somebody that sounds like they had to show on the Andy doll where they were touched. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But when you did the same with Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I had this nagging feeling I should cut the episode off at spoiler time. Yes. Ah. Yes, you should. But I didn't. So I did. Oh, damn. Good. (laughs) Good on you. Fast forward to the following week. My 12-year-old daughter was giving, er, given early dismissal from school following induction into the National Junior Honor Society. Nice. Aww. Nice. Congratulations. We took her to lunch, dropped the rest of the family off, and she and I went to see Guardians 2. Just daddy and daughter. Yay. We spent the better part of the movie laughing and just absorbing how badass the team was as they fought their way through scores of Kree douchebags, landed on the forested planet, Uh-oh. and then left with Peter's dad. But then Star-Lord learned his dad was a piece of shit. This is a road I've been traveling my whole life. Oh. A little backstory. I'm a child of an acrimonious divorce. Mom remarried twice, third husband, jumped right into the dad role, despite many, his many flaws. My mom had custody, my father had visitation. He pay, paid a bare minimum of child support and bought me things for birthdays and holidays and made sure he took me for visitation a bare minimum of times. As I got older, I saw through the veneer he maintained. By adulthood, he revealed a sense of himself to me by advising me not to marry a woman who had a child. I married her anyway. I helped raise my oldest son, technically stepson, and we had three more kids. Between kids two and three, I tried to reconnect with my father. It was a few months where we seemed to be developing a positive relationship. Then he revealed his intent to treat my oldest kid differently because he wasn't blood-related. I cut him out of my life, and we've been estranged for a decade. I don't even want to get started on the level of bullshit his reveal exceeded in my heart and mind, but you guys seem cool enough to understand. So back to the theater. Peter Quill is learning that Ego is a terrible father, and that Yondu was a better dad than he thought. As soon as Yondu put himself at risk to save Peter, I felt the tears start. By the time he told Peter, Ego might be your father, but he was never your daddy. I was sobbing and ugly crying. And so was my little girl. We hugged and cried until the crew was prepping Yondu for his soon-to-be Ravager funeral. It was a moment that shows us importance only after it's past. I saw art imitate life. I saw art cut close to my heart and felt gratitude for it. I thought of my dad not my father, who is very much a Yandu in my life. I thought of my oldest boy, for whom I have unknowingly been a Yandu. I had an opportunity to share a lesson 
with my youngest girl about how love for others is just a bit bigger than love for oneself and how sacrifice is something one does for those they love with no hesitation and very little thought. I don't know if I would have had that same experience had I known what to expect going into the film. After seeing it, I re-downloaded the Guardian spoiler episode and listened to you guys unpack your experience of the movie. It flooded me with gratitude again. So I wanted to share my story with you guys and to thank you for the service you do to geekdom. You're all reminders that what you enjoy passionately is able and allowed to affect you. Thanks so much. Stay geek, dudes. Your loyal shock monkey in service, Justin. Wow. That's I'm overclumped. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. Wow. Timestamp that. <laughs> Timestamp that, because when uh, I talk about this episode, I'll definitely tell people that's where you need to uh, be aware of uh, Jesus, Andy. the episode. <laughs> I will no, say that was the now. phone saying, yeah, Kirsten's right. right. Yeah, uh-huh. it's agreeing. It's probably that- why people are confused about which voice is what, because whenever you guys do something I do, I say, Jesus, Andy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I, I teared up when I read that, so. Yeah. That is great. Mm. I mean, it's... I understand that because I I, uh, I felt something myself when I was watching the movie because I I constantly feel you know father stuff in movies and stuff parent stuff and that um, that actually was an important thing and that line that line he might have been your father but he wasn't your daddy was just absolutely and delivered with that Michael yeah, Rooker true mm, Rooker right. yeah you know it's just that it was just yeah. That was amazing. That was great. So, Rooker, it, it, Rooker is just an interesting guy all around. Uh, I've seen him at cons twice now, and he does he does this little uh, where he runs into the audience and does the Q and A, and it cracks me up because he's he usually gives like really short like one or two line answer or one or two word answers rather, and. Uh, but he's totally different with like young children. Like when young children ask him questions, you know, like you know, he's got his sunglasses on most of the time. But he'll stop, pull the sunglasses off, and mm-hmm. talk directly to the kids. And uh, uh, in fact, when I was standing in line to get his autograph for uh, a friend, uh, you know, because I'd already got the photo op with him, uh, I was getting the autograph uh, for someone else, and there was a little kid in line ahead of me and he just he came like he came out from behind the booth got down on his knees pulled his sunglasses off and was just talking to this kid like like he was one of his own kids or something and it just Mm. it was and then (laughs) interestingly enough like right after that he's going back and talking to people and and his his daughter comes over with his granddaughter and he just about lost it Mm. like it was like one of those total like she jumped up into his arms and they were like hugging and and he's like oh i miss you so much i forgot what the his nickname for her was but you know just and then like the whole rest of the time he's signing autographs with his granddaughter (laughs) in an arm and it was uh but yeah no that's rooker's got that weird charm that's both grading and endearing at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Right. So it yeah. didn't wasn't he at uh, a couple of years ago, the one of the cons, I guess. Wizard it was World Con. The, yeah, yeah, he was at that that was, was one there. of the times I've seen him was at Wizard World. And didn't we like pass by where he was doing a Q and A or cause I swear to God, 
I think we saw on monitors, we didn't hang around, but we were passing through, and we saw on monitors, he was actually in the audience, on one knee, talking to yeah. a kid, yep. just like you described Yeah, it. I was in the audience I'm, when that I'm happened. I'm pretty sure I remember that image. I love the picture of him in Disneyland posing with Mary Poppins. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. One thing, I like that line about, you know, father and daddy so much that I kind of, I kind of, eh, at the Mary Poppins line, because that's the one everyone's remembering. Mm-hmm. And that's the one everyone's quoting. That picture was great. Him well, doing that was great. It's also not a spoiler, so it's an easier one to quote without. No. Yeah. That's a good point. True enough. But still, yeah. it's the one. It's the one he's going to be known for in that movie. Mm-hmm. So thanks again, Justin, for sharing that. That's really touching. Yes. Yeah. Before we go on, can you pass me some of Andy's meringue? <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! You'll enjoy my meringue. Just plain old right. Matt, folks. <laughs> Just plain old Matt. Right. I'll take. I'll take a small little. There you is take, no small. You take as much meringue there as you want, There is gobs and gobs of that meringue. There's two containers. Just uh, keep it, one on each and side. And it's dried yeah. out and crusty and you, warm. You eat up all of Andy's meringue there. Good. Pineapple? No, just oh, meringue. Okay, no. You, well, you I missed have, it. No, no, we yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> 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 right. Wow. The rest of us got it. I know. <laughs> I got it a second too late. <laughs> uh, next email. Hello, fuckers. Hey. <laughs> Long time no speak. <laughs> there's some, there's some Coming in email hot. whiplash. Is it fuckers or fuckers? I have a question for you. We Every now answers. and then, I get the itch to just give everyone the finger and pack up my shit and just move out to the wasteland of Vegas. Now I know it takes gas and guts, and I don't have either. So I pose some questions to you guys. You're all transplants from random parts of the country, and... Mm-hmm. Something clicked in your heads that gave you the balls to move out there. Uh, what made you go to Vegas? And what would you recommend to anyone who wishes to relocate there? Keep up the good work, guys. Jake. Don't gamble. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Family and don't do it. Wow. There you yeah. go. I've said it. So I that's, think it's still a great town to live in. It's, it never gets boring. No, um, that's that's a nice thing. Yeah, I mean, there's always something weird going on out there. In my case, it was a job. I was working Six Flags over at Georgia doing caricatures, and the park was closing at the end of the summer, and the guy that ran the thing said, I have an operation in uh, you know, Las Vegas. Somebody wants to go there. I'm like, I'll, I'm not doing anything. Sure, I'll go there. Huh. And uh, yeah, although a bit of a bait and switch. You know, and next week, it's like, actually... They're full up in Las Vegas. We need some in Laughlin. Like, What's Laughlin? <laughs> Holy kinda, crap! It's kind of like Vegas. <laughs> All right, there's your lesson there, Jake. <laughs> if you hear the L word, say fuck yeah. off. <laughs> I, uh, gosh. It's it's a city of... Well, well let's, let's tackle the first question first, then we'll talk mm-hmm. about living here. What brought you here? Well, that's kind of what I was going to touch on. Oh. It's, it's, a, it's a city of unique entertainment opportunities we do get some concerts that you don't always get in other parts of the country so rather than having to travel a couple hundred miles to let's see go see a rock concert or a a special one night only event um a lot of times they're here in vegas so jeff moved here Um, to to watch live music cost of living music cost of living is very low Mm -hmm. compared to the rest of the country there are more economic opportunities uh, my wife was here, <laughs> and uh, I didn't like snow anymore. Ha! 
Yeah. So I'm just lazy because shoveling snow. Not shoveling <laughs> definitely helps. <laughs> oh, I was yeah. I was graduating from the University of Evansville, and I have a very very good theater department. And of course, in theater, there's two places you go. You go to New York. Yep. You go to Los Angeles. That's it. That's mm-hmm. your choices. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do something different than that. Rebel tour. I'm going to Chicago. Ah, yeah. Because Chicago has you know, the Steppenwolf Theater. There's yeah. a very good, good theater set there. And then I had my first Chicago winter. <laughs> <laughs> and the chill coming off that lake, negative 17 degrees. Impressive shit coming from a Hoosier. Uh, I don't. Does it? You. Oh yeah! If I lived in northern Canada, I wouldn't move to Chicago for its winter. Mm. Second coldest I've been in my life is in Chicago. It's chilling, Mm -hmm. and so I'm like, I'm I'm done with this. I moved back to Indiana for a short time to gather up my goodies. Las Vegas was a city that I had visited yearly since '84. It's a city I knew well. It was a place my dad loved to go. He went a couple times a year. So as a family vacation, we went at least one of those times with him. I'm like, and it's an entertainment place. I've got a degree. (laughs) And so so I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I came here and hooked up with the Repertory Theater. And that's that's why I moved out to Vegas, to entertainment opportunities to get away from the winter. Mm -hmm. I've been bartending ever since. I've been bartending ever since. Uh, It's a town with a lot of opportunity. But... Uh, it's hard to make that work. It's hard to make anything stay because there's so much stuff going on. It's hard to get a small theater company going because there's 50 other things going on that night. Um, but it's an inexpensive town to live in. It's hot as, you know, two monkeys in a sack during the summer. But uh, it's a great base. It's a great place to uh, have a home base and bounce off to other places. Now, I will say this. If any actors are out there, theater-wise, looking at the Vegas possibility like I did, it is a terrible place mm-hmm. for a equity actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, for two reasons. One, there's very few equity shows out here, equity being the actor's union, stage union. And the equity shows that are here are cast out of New York and Los Angeles. Yep. Right. Yes. So and your, your opportunities yep. are pretty much nil. And yes. I clarify, it's a place of many opportunities. You can use, do just about anything here, but most people expect to do it for free or cheap. Yes. Yeah. So There's yep. a lot of work for an actor if you're willing to not be paid. Right. Right. Good place to learn your craft. Yeah. Whatever that craft may be. I came out here for family. I uh, was leaving Chicago because it just wasn't working for me. I didn't care about winters. Winters didn't bother me. Uh, I came out here. But, um, and it was funny because things happened for me real quick. I got my SAG card within six months, which you talking about equity actors. That's the um, Screen Actors Guild card. Yep. And Screen Actors Guild, it's the same thing. Uh, I made a mistake because when I got the opportunity to join SAG, I grabbed it and I shouldn't have. And uh, as a result, I lost a lot of opportunities to do student films, small films from friends, and learn about film just by being available for non-union stuff. And Is this like well before the uh, student film waiver that they had with SAG? Yeah, and it's funny because okay. I've, I've even met a few people. Well, there are a few people who actually get intimidated by the student film waiver mm-hmm. because it has a whole bunch of you can't do this, you can't show that, you can't, and, you know, a whole bunch of things to it right. that um, people look at and they're like, oh, uh, you know, they have these hopes that their little student film will explode some way right. and, and the film waiver scares them. But 
I got I worked in entertainment. Virtually every job I've had has been in entertainment here in town. In fact, every job I've had, because even when I wasn't performing, I was working like scenic carpentry. In many ways, uh, just like the marquees for the residencies, Vegas is a place where a lot of performers go to die. (laughs) And in the two decades I've been here, I've worked with tons of performers who came to Vegas because they were finished elsewhere. And they were just here to do a little something for the the remainder of their years. And that can be pretty disillusioning. That can be rough. And, and I've entered into that zone because I've been here for 24 years. And so it's sort of like it's not a stepping stone. It's become where I'm, where I'm rooted. It's a millstone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I've, met, I've got uh, friends who are working in L.A. They're building their um, base. We've got uh, like one example is uh, Bon Bon, Bonnie Gordon, who worked the last few months that Star Trek The Experience was open. And within months of that, she moved to L.A., and she's actually getting more and more voice work, um, and she's doing more and more uh, performance work in L.A., building her brand, especially after she did the Quest reality show, Library Bards. And we have other friends, uh, people that uh, the Trekkers know who are in L.A. doing journeyman work in that town. And Vegas is good for that. It's a good stepping stone. Come here to leave if you're in the entertainment field. Or if you're a singer or a dancer. Because Vegas is one of the few places you can be a dancer. And you can come here, get a job, and within a year buy a home. Because you will qualify for your mortgage and you're totally set up to get your own place. So you can, if you're a singer and dancer, you can definitely do that here. But a lot of those fucking shows cast out of New York and L.A. Very so true. it's like Vegas will almost draw you here rather than you come mm-hmm. here and make something of it. And it's a lot an, of those dancing jobs, it does help if you want to show your tits. Not a lot not, of them. Not, not, not as many anymore. Not yeah, a lot I guess of them. Getting they're, they're, I mean, nowhere near like yeah. it used to be. I mean, there, there are shows that have nudity and stuff. Right. But there, we, we all know a ton of performers here in town who have never gone... Uncovered is the Vegas term. Mm. Right. Uh, not show your tits, the Andy <laughs> term. Uh, but I'm not, show I'm your not tits. in the industry. You know, when, when Andy was, was a club owner, that's what the term was. But, but you know, it, it, so it, I think it's a good stepping stone. You don't have to be involved with entertainment. One of the interesting things for me in Vegas is I actually got to know a few native borns when I first got here. And just knowing people who were born here and who who's who w- don't work on the strip and whose families don't work on the strip who are just regular folk yeah is actually interesting and that that is that there is that life there is that world here so you, most of us you know, that live here rarely go to the strip anymore unless we're working it yeah right it's especially true. now that they're charging for parking right <laughs> fuck right. them yeah it's right. awful Any- so find your job and come out here. There's another shock monkey who just picked up and came out here because it was so amazing and within months left because he couldn't find what he was looking for. Yeah. And uh, there may be opportunities. Not a lot of tech industry jobs out here, for instance. um, There are in certain specific fields. Very narrow. Yeah, Yeah. it's a very narrow field. Right. Yeah. 
I and, will, and a lot of that is going to be connection-based anyway. And I yeah. will say this for this town. This town is a service town. Mm, yeah. Yeah. If you have skills in bartending, food service, uh, mm-hmm. hospitality, mm-hmm. Uh, hotel you make, especially. Yeah. You not, can make a really good living. Yes, you here. can. Probably a better living than uh, most other cities yes. in that regard. Yeah. So if you don't mind that kind of work, that works here in spades. If you're working, if you're looking towards college and a degree, look at UNLV, look at their hotel administration, hospitality industry degrees, Mm -hmm. because they're fast becoming some of the more respected degrees in the industry. And people people are working right out of UNLV when they get their bachelor's. I understand college loans and money are crazy now, but... If that is something you're looking at, look in that direction. If you're, especially if you're interested in the hospitality industry. In fact, I, I recently was asked why I moved out here. If, now that we're on the subject, I know I asked you a few minutes. No, I know, no. But like, I had, I had a guest the other day that parking asked example, me right? That's that, why you moved out here. Parking, no. lots of parking. It yeah. Used to be. Uh, one of my guests had asked me why I moved out here if I had a degree, and I said, "Well, real after I got my degree." And was thinking of moving to New York or L.A. Reality sunk in that to make a decent living in L.A. or New York, I would never be able to do that with my degree. So, which, you know, is film production. So, if I had gotten a job as a, you know, camera operator or, you know, as a video editor, you know, I might have been able to get some... Decent paying work as a video editor, but I actually make, huh? You ain't buying a house. But yeah, yeah, no. I make a way better living doing what I do now than I ever could have with my degree, which, you know, it's sad because the other is my passion, but I chose quality of life over. Ditto that theater. The previews, but we were watching previews for Wonder Woman. Yeah. There was a commercial for. Taco Bell something chips, naked chicken chips or something like that. And it's this, you know, well-toned, you know, this guy with those deep voice talking about, you know, uh, all these people be graduating except for this guy who got involved in these chips and, you know, forgotten. And he goes, and the guy, the guy looks at me and goes, I've got a degree. It's a bachelor's of fine arts. <sighs> what a waste. <laughs> and my daughter and I just both fell on the floor laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I remember that when I was in college, too, because uh, the film department is in the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences, mm-hmm. and a CLAS degree is basically worthless in many cases, unless you're in the tech field. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, my my particular degree was in the technical aspect of film, so I had more potential to make money than the people who got their degrees in the other areas of CLA. Uh, I'll tell you, a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree will only hold you through a journalism career What's that? for 15 years. <laughs> I didn't catch that. Andy went to the school of hard knocks, folks. The school <laughs> of the street. Streets is real. I will yeah. say this. If you cannot handle your vices, stay the hell out of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's very true Simple as well. That. If you have issues with drinking, gambling, drugs... Whatever your addiction is, if you don't have that under control, it's easy to get here. Yeah, it'll eat you up. That might sound appealing, but it can easily ruin your life in this city. Yeah, one thing I was going to say is a lot of people who visit Vegas, they they experience something like Scoop Fest, right? Mm -hmm. Every night is a party. Every night, people going out and doing shit, and we're all getting together, and yeehaw, and it's great. 
and they they fall into the zone of oh that's what vegas is and it's like well no because when you leave town those people then spend 49 or 50 weeks coming home from work working on the house tending to the landscaping putting the kids to bed they have lives it can be a party town but if you come out to vegas thinking that that incredibly fun week you have is vegas 52 of the year you will be disappointed so don't do that to yourself either unless you go to the millennium fandom bar that's well right. yeah then that's a <laughs> party every, every night, night man there every you night. go there you except go. mondays and tuesdays right except tuesdays now they're up on mondays wow aha see it's only six days a week mm -hmm. i was right right now one more email we haven't done emails in a while so we'll get through a few here in the efforts for Matt and Kirsten to keep winning and ranking up in the Funko MMORPG uh, yes. of life, <laughs> I was thinking that perhaps they would each get, as a gift or purchase or something, a do-it-yourself Funko Pop. Uh. Each take the time to design and decorate them however they want. Uh, they own it. They could, they, they could hire Andy to do the art, draw it on themselves, yeah. pay a Cirque wardrobe designer to costume it, just shove it in each other's asses. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but, then, but then they are done, and they will post on the lair, and then we can vote on it. The winner gets the Funko title for one year, or until another contest is decided upon and the game continues. Then to make money, each Funko can be placed on eBay so we can all bid on them and make someone lots of cents in dollars. This idea was sent to us by Pat S. All right. The Funko Cup. The Funko Cup. There yeah. you go. Hmm. I, I like I, it. I kind of dig this idea. I See, too. I was going for the get the sell Funkos and send them to Ace and have Ace mm. do them up. But I see... They, they they want to see us do them mm -hmm. up, eh, Matt. Yeah, I got that. Mm -hmm. And then put them on eBay for a charity. All right. Huh? Oh, charity? <laughs> oh, fuck that. What the no, hell? hell Where'd that come from? <laughs> Wait a minute. They heard money I did not hear that thing. word in that, that email. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Cash prize drawing. <laughs> it's an interesting idea. We will, mm -hmm. uh, we will consider this. That's it's it's a fun and, one, and it's a good a question, a good a time as any. What's the count here, guys? Has the count changed? Oh, on the count I mean, has changed because I got Juggernaut for my birthday. Did you so now? The one you've been wanting. The goddamn yes. balloon, not Juggernaut. Goddamn Juggernaut. <laughs> that's so that's you know says, I I said, that's a yeah. special exclusive one, right? Yeah, Walgreens. Yeah, so you might as well be a San Diego Comic Con. And at this it was point. it was a oh, heroic shit. journey. Uh, undertaken by Major Meh and his family to search for this juggernaut. Pessimistic Kirsten the whole time was like, dude, this isn't going to work. You're never going to find it in a store. It's about a fit. It's like a 200 comment chain. Listen, Major, yeah. Major Meh went into a comic book sh or comic shop, yeah. <laughs> asked for it, and the guy literally, the first response was, laughs right in his face. Laughs right in his face. He laughed right at him. But this little <laughs> collectible store, which the name I should remember and mention because she she rose to the occasion. Stephanie went in. Stephanie is, Major, is Mrs. Major Meh. She goes in there. She asks about it. The woman says, I actually just sold my last one i'm going to try to get another one out of inventory when i get it would you like me to call you and stephanie was like sure gave her her number 
The very next day, the woman calls and says, hey, I got my juggernaut. <laughs> Stephanie ran over. And this is down at Galleria Mall by where I live, which is clear across town from the mess. Yep. I like it, the mess. <laughs> it's clear across town from their home. And she ran down and bought it um, and, and picked it up. And I was stunned because... I was just like, you're not going to find it. And, and they got it. Wow. So Yeah, I hate. Whenever they announce a Walgreens exclusive, I'm like, please don't let it be a one that I want. Please don't let it. Okay, cool. I think Because they are horrendous <laughs> in restocking their Funkos. If they get him in at all. Yeah. Right. Like, right. I have a feeling they don't make it past the loading dock. Is it yeah. Fans <laughs> Sports Apparel? Is that the name? Uh, it I mi- think so. might be. Fans a, with, a, with two Zs? Uh, maybe. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, you mean yeah. two Zs? Two Zs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> So then it would be ZZ Top? Yeah, and it is. It's yes. funny. It used to be a card store and sports shirts, signed helmets, all that. It It is almost entirely Funkos now. Wow. So what's Sword the number? Magic Helmet? Give me numbers. Uh, oh, yeah. 34 and 34 or 33 and 33? Something in there. So it's still even. No, no, no. I'm up one now. Okay. So I'm I think. at 36. Oh, he's what? beating me by three. Wow. wow! Somebody, somebody, somebody wow. got me. Somebody got me a a, a Wonder Woman. Uh oh! So, oh well. Uh, Andy's stretching for something. Time to break out the box. Oh, t- oh god! Andy's breaking out his box. Oh, oh god! Let's see. What's in the box? Which reminds me, what are we gonna do with that one? The one we signed. What is it? Lot. We'll get to that later. Okay. Uh, the fuck is in the fucking box? Let's see. <laughs> <What the> fuck? <laughs> I mean, I just just just, uh, just roll this out. That one. What's going uh, on? Oh, yeah, here's one for you right here. Oh, what's this? That would be Brian Johnson. Oh, that's the one I stole earlier. Yeah, what's well, that? I got a replacement. <laughs> you got a replacement? <laughs> Let me see what you got in there. So you threw him at Brian Johnson ah. from... Oh, I'm taking the... So you're still bre- down two? From the oh. breakfast You're still down two? Yeah, no, no he's up point. one. No, he's no, down he's, two. He's oh. at 36. I'm at 34. Oh, okay. This would be 35. Five, so you need one more. Oh, no. Mm. Decision. Oh, are you serious? All right, we'll give you uh, Vaughn. Oh, you can, what's, you can what, a what? A Vaughn? A Vaughn's? What's a Vaughn? Matt, from the strain. Matt Vaughn? From what? The Strain. That show, The Strain? Oh, okay. The Vampire TV show. I guess. I've never watched it. <laughs> I win. He has no idea what it is. <laughs> so the number is now what? 34? Even. 36, 36. 36, 36. And 36. Jesus, it's great because like the last four Funkos I've gotten, I haven't paid for. Yeah. This has actually been kind of cool. So, so Matt's got these Funkos. Uh, do you have like a separate section for the Andy Funkos? The, the, I'm the, thinking I'm going to do that, like the, all the all the miscellaneous <laughs> stuff. That miscellaneous, yeah. So are these? Are, do you keep them off to the side? And go, okay, maybe these are ones I can trade in at Zia. And yeah, no, 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 they're not want. ones he can trade in. <laughs> Andy, makes the Vaughn actually might be one that came out of. That's the one that came out of the box we got from uh, Jamie. We'll have a new uh, section. Funkos, you don't give a shit about. <laughs> there, there you go. go. There you go. <laughs> Well, thank you, Andy. You're welcome. You're just like Santa Claus today. Yes, you? exactly. Golden Knights t-shirt. Yeah. The Golden Knights one, I just happened to see it. And I'm like, oh, well, he needs us. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, you couldn't find a Toronto Maple Leafs No, I was, just, I was in the oh, store, okay. and I'm like, holy crap, it's the first Golden Knights shirt I've seen. Yeah. It's, yeah, he needs that. And it wasn't overpriced. Now, are no, you gonna make? Fine. Are you gonna make him wear that shirt when the Knights play the Maple Leaves? Will not happen. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I don't know what happened to that shirt. I ripped it or something. Yeah. I still wish it was neon Knights. That yeah, would be, that would have been cool. It, I still would have yeah. been cool, but they would have had to gone past. Uh, uh, well, that would be uh, 
Black Sabbath, I think, has that song. Do they? Neon yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, but do you do you have to do that, or is it just sports, uh, other sports franchises? And I think they actually spell it N I G H. So. Well, someone out there, I'm sure someone out there owns that and. Yeah, it's not like the yeah, that's, you know, Air Force, the uh, Army has a parachute team by well, the name of the Golden Knights. Oh, wait, they do. Yeah. <laughs> well, they already had some licensing issues because there's some college that has their hockey team is the Golden Knights. Ah. So they had to file some petition with copyright because it's a professional team versus a college team. and There's also an OHL team yeah. in southern Ontario where... London Knights, so they had to talk to them too. But, dude, the neon lights, neon, neon lights, neon Knights, I like because you could have like Guardians of the Galaxy like jerseys or something. Yeah, well, that, that's, that color. Cool. That was part of where I was going with Doctor Strange and now Guardians of the Galaxy. The bright primary color mm. palette is is, is suddenly Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok, yeah. that yeah. opening sequence, Stranger Things. It, it it's yeah, another um, one. It it it's totally. Is, is Stranger Things uh, rainbow colored? Red. Rain- you said primary colors. Not primary <laughs> color. Oh, colors. The palette, the, that, gotcha. the whole mixture so you of want color. to be a whole prism thing. Yeah, too gay. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anyone's going to be expert enough to comment on yeah. it. Too gay for a lot of sports fans. News you don't give a shit about. I disagreeing. That's yeah, what I, I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm I, I hope you're wrong. Calgary, Calgary, Calgary Flames. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, let's oh, see. What burn. Else we got. Right, burn. <clears throat> what else we got? Yeah, what else you shit. got? The uh, Ducks. <laughs> whatever that stupid Canadian team was with the orange and red and yellow. The Astros, was it? Had the hideous costumes That's, in the set. That was Houston. Yeah, I, yeah, no, it was the one that had the... Right, was that Houston? Yeah, <laughs> yes. Houston had the Astros. Yeah, and the Astros had the, the, the orange and the, the, the very there? quintessentially seventies. Yeah, okay. Well, the Blue Jays were powder blue for a while, wow. so maybe that's what you're thinking of. No, no that's I'm not thinking what of the he's Astros. Thinking of. I think now you said he's it. Thinking of the Astros. Yeah. Okay. Are you thinking of the Montreal Expos? Maybe that's it. What did the Expos have? No, they were like they're like red, white, and blue. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He's thinking know. of the Astros. Must be the Astros. <laughs> and it was a very seventies. That, that orange, that orange, yeah, yeah. And, and 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 the the I forget the 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 font style, the decorative style, but that whole curving bands of color that mm-hmm. uh, uh, silhouette the the letter mm-hmm. or the the symbol or oh, whatever. Don't even it get is. me talking about this, the the you know, Phillies, the very seventies look that Andy keeps calling the Stranger Things look because mm-hmm. he 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 wants to pretend he doesn't go back any further. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even see where the two equate. Kuwait, that's a small country in the Middle East. Who's <laughs> don't give a shit about? Is where burkas are? No. <laughs> okay, listen. Everybody, until Universal's Dark Universe series of films prove they won't go the way of King Arthur movies, I'm relegating Dark Universe news to news you don't give a shit about. Okay. Now, maybe the movie, uh, The Mummy, comes out this weekend. Maybe that'll change everything and change the category. But until then... Here is where the Dark Universe will go next. We already know about Bride of Frankenstein being next, February 14th, 2019, with uh, Beauty and the Beast, Bill Condon, directing from a screenplay by Jurassic Park's David Cope. Angelina Jolie, Javier Bardem are expected to star, and Johnny Depp has officially inked a deal to headline The Invisible Man, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson is rumored to transform himself into The Wolfman. Okay. Okay. 
Now, Universal has announced the next round of reboots to be interwoven into the fold with plans to produce updated versions of Dracula, The Phantom of the Opera, and The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Now, if you pay close attention to the mummy trailers, you can see what appears to be Dracula's skull in a jar inside Dr. Jekyll's high uh, prodigium. Uh, what seems to be a fin from the creature from the Black Lagoon. So at least one of those titles are, was anticipated. Uh, Dark Universe creative chief Alex Kurtzman, that's right, Alex Kurtzman is in charge of this whole thing, confirmed the news during an interview with Fandom during the Mummy's press tour, quoting, I think that digging into deep mythologies about monsters around the world is fair game for us, as well as connecting the monsters that we know to some surprising monsters could also be really interesting. I'd love to bring Michael Fassbender in. I'd love to bring Jennifer Lawrence in. I'd love to see Charlize Theron in there. Uh, Unquote. Phantom from 1925 and Hunchback from 1923 were two of the first horror movies Carl Lemley ever produced for Universal, both starring the legendary Lon Chaney. They will join the previous mentioned films in this expanded lineup, all under the Dark Universe umbrella. Whether or not Universal's Dracula reboot or spinoff will be based on the 2014 Luke Evans film, Dracula Untold, is yet to be determined. I was going to say, didn't they already have a Dracula they went with? They, mm. It's one they shoehorned in at the last moment. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. wasn't planned to be part of the Dark Universe. feel weird even saying those words. Um, hmm. But they, at the end, they kind of shoehorned it as like, this is the first salvo, and then the movie did terrible, and they're like, oh, forget that salvo. <laughs> <laughs> mm, okay. You know what's funny about Dark Universe is uh, I grew up, for me growing up, the, the universal horror movies were horror movies. That's what I meant when I talked about it. Not, sure. not the slasher movies, which came another generation. So for me, they are universal horror movies. So in a way, I kind of wish they had like just stayed with or, or had adopted universal horror. Because mm-hmm. that, I think, would have been a good name for the, uni- for the franchise. I the the issues is we just don't know where they're going with it. Oh yeah, especially since they're using the Avengers as their template. Mm-hmm. And so far, the previews for the Mummy seem like an action-oriented movie, like the last Mummy movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, which were very good. They were well, you know, diminishing returns, but the first one was great. Yeah, and so you're you've gone up against your own standard there. Sure. As opposed to Iron Man, which uh, really <laughs> mm-hmm. had no standard to go up against. Well, mm-hmm. well, as as Marvel goes, right. Mm-hmm. So, I, I I assume some of the monsters will be heroes, some will be villains, and then they'll all clash into destroy all monsters movie. Monster Mash. <laughs> no, it. no, no. You you'll go the route of Abbott and Costello meet. Frankenstein or meet Dracula and the Wolfman and the Wolfman uh, Key and Peel will meet all the monsters okay I'm and sold on this yeah pitch. you just sold me on that I was about to- <laughs> I'm sold on this pitch this pitch works yep wow so, so I saw you um, get that I saw the Jamie took me to the uh, um, uh, fan of the opera musical here and uh, I had not I guess I was not as aware of that story as I thought I was I sort of absorbed it through secondary sources Boy, the Phantom's awful murdery. I think Phantom's very <laughs> murdery. Very murdery. <laughs> Keep your hand at the level of your eye, yeah. Mr. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I just I've, I've seen all the musical uh, peripherally, all the musical stuff makes it look like a romance. It's a creepy fucking romance. But it, it's a romance. It's a horror story. Yeah. It, it's it's that's why it's so fun. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's elegant. Yeah, it's murdery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in fact, I was looking at uh, articles beef, a couple hours before the show, just looking at the, uh, just wanting to see pictures of the uh, lake underneath the opera house, mm. which is just like basically flooded rumors because they could keep the said river in. Mm. But uh, I, I love the, there's a beautiful romance to this story. And I'm not talking about the the romantic story in the story. I'm talking the whole thing as a, just a romantic setting mm-hmm. and that's ah, just fires up my imagination. Gaston Leroux, mm, good job. Mm-hmm. I just love Andy's disillusionment, discovering things <laughs> are more more murdery than he ever imagined. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so by the, by, I finally watched the Arrow, and it's kind of murdery. murdery. <laughs> yeah, uh, are you gonna go watch the the sequel then? Oh, good God! Uh, no, love, probably love ne- not. You're love, going to aren't you? Love never dies. You're going to see it, right? It's not good. I know you said that. <laughs> I'm not planning to see it. Love never dies, no matter how hard I try to kill it. Picture right. of Andy with a pillow. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I've never seen it live on stage, but I did watch a Blu-ray of the filmed theatrical version. And no, no, it's it's not wow. good. It's. I, I don't, I, Does the fandom come back? Is it yeah, even more murdery? It's, yes. Oh. And then talking of the child of the phantom. and yeah, so, mm. Oh, wow. It does take place in a carnival, though, so that's kind of fun. Oh, okay. you, you've, got to, you've got to ramp up the murdery in your sequels. It's just the rule. Mm. I was watching this great... Uh, I mentioned the, this, this uh, YouTuber before <clears throat> um, whose name is complicated enough that I can't... <sighs> actually say it uh but uh, he's the guy who does the um, it's by the water uh how the (laughs) 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 thanks not that complicated Um, it's bath water (laughs) (laughs) but uh this is the guy who uh does the the um how the movies changed and he runs through the sequels talking about differences and he talked about rambo and it was really funny because he points out that in First Blood, Rambo kills nobody. Yeah. And there is one death that he did not directly do. Right. And then he kills like 57 people in First Blood Part 2, which when you think about it, 57, that's actually kind of a that's kind of a tame number. That's only 57? <laughs> what What were they doing in the 80s? I don't understand these people. How many was it in Rambo 3? You know what? I lost count at that point. <laughs> because the, the, the first and the second were the really big ones. Right. Because you totally... I mean, most people don't even know about First Blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually showed it to Vernon. And he could tell me about Rambo 2, 3... Back and forth, he could talk about the stories and everything like that. He's well, never seen the first one, and he was kind of... He's sitting there, and halfway through it, he's just like... Who is there killing people? This is like a real movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, it's because uh, the full title was Rambo, colon, First Blood Part Two. Right, right. And for a while there, it was just Rambo yeah. in the theaters. Like, they weren't putting the First Blood Part Two up there. Right. And then Reagan got on and talked about 
Rambo on TV and suddenly everybody was going to see the movie yeah, yeah. and people forgot that it was a sequel mm-hmm. to a much better film. It went in a different, <laughs> was totally different. I mean, oh, yeah. It had a surface, it tried to make a surface statement about war is just ask Andy. You know? <laughs> and But underneath it was like, ask Kirsten. Mm. <laughs> this shit's cool. Yeah. You know, whereas the first movie was was really oh that, that the first dark, movie was, was dark dark because it, you know it explored he? the fact that there are no real survivors in war mm. and that you know he's walking around he's alive but he's dead inside yeah. and et cetera et cetera right. the second one was a full on I'm gonna go the Get second this well the second one was that wave of we didn't lose Vietnam right so we have to go. What they want, and what every man who went and spilled his guts wants, for our country to love us as much as we love it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. wow. Actually, yeah. Torgo, you you're quoting the movie. I am, and that's the it, only thing I know about that movie. That's uh, all I've retained. I, I was assuming you'd done like a, the, the scene on stage for uh, part of an acting class or Dude, something. He's got some pretty cheesy speeches, man. Oh, I just yeah. realized that. Like, what is it? Um, Rocky Four. I came here and you hated me and I hated you, but now I like you. You like me. We hate Ivan Drago. I le- together I something and then maybe you learn something, something and, and I don't know. And I yeah. <laughs> and uh, yo, Adrian, he actually did it. says that. He actually yeah. says, and I don't know, but you know. <laughs> oh, but I just want to say one thing, yo, Adrian. We did it again. <laughs> All right, cool. But I will say, Rocky Four, best montage ever. Mm. Best music go. montage, training montage ever done. All right. I tell you what. Uh, speaking of Rocky, Rocky three was on the other day. I still haven't seen Clever Leg, and it, oh, it's amazing one. how little of Rocky. Th- I remember one and two very well. I remember four very well. I remembered next to nothing about Rocky three, where he goes up against Clubber Lang, played by Mister T. Maybe I have seen it and, and I've forgotten. And it just, it, I'm sitting there going, I don't remember this film at all. I know I've seen it. I just don't remember anything about it. And it's yeah. just funny how the other sequels completely overshadowed 3. Anyway. Yeah. The only thing I remember of 3 is Mr. T doing pull-ups with rope tied around a beam, a, a roof beam. Yeah. And I just remember looking at his hands and looking at the ropes and being like, oh, my God. I have the tiger rock. That just must <laughs> absolutely... Totally hurt. Mm-hmm. That must be awful. Sure you Jump back a little bit. Doesn't he, in the book that Rambo's based on, the first blood is the first blood. Doesn't he kill himself in yeah. the end? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I gotta read that novel. How does he kill himself? Shoots himself. I think he shot himself. He, it, it was about PTSD. Okay. Uh, the yes. author of the book was a teacher. He had these students who had come back from Vietnam. And they weren't call they you know they weren't even calling it uh, battle fatigue, which is the World War II term, shell shock, which is the first World War term. Right. But these guys were talking about waking up in the middle of the night, not knowing where they are, feeling like they're in the middle of the battle, flashing back to their friends' deaths, and having no way of coping, no means of dealing with it, just being left on their own. And that is what the the novel First Blood. Uh, I I don't even know if it's titled First Blood. I but think it is. That's it's what that David novel. Morrell, I think pretty sure. That's what that novel is about. It's about Vietnam PTSD 
and the nation ignoring it. There was a Henry Winkler movie that was like the first movie about about heroes. Yeah, I think so. But it was like that was like the first time I saw something about PTSD. Well, or you had that scene from Coming Home, where uh, Bruce Dern. Oh yeah, yeah. At yeah. the end, he just takes off his uniform and walks into the surf. Mm-hmm. You know what? The uh, just uh, just struck me right now. I. I I was just reminded, just the other night I saw one of the best movies ever made about PTSD. Um, it was on Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. if you want to catch it. It's called uh, Mazes and Monsters. <laughs> <laughs> really? You got that one locked and loaded. We got, we got too serious. Torgo had to take yeah. the air out of it. Give Andy back his pillow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you hold on to it, it makes you comfortable. Uh. Mazes and Monsters is such a horrible movie. Yes. Oh, my God. I, 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 st- I still haven't seen it. I what? If you it. have Amazon Prime, it's available to mm-hmm. you. So I've seen it when I've scrolled through it. Oy. it it's a made-for-TV movie uh, based on a novel that was based loosely based on the incident where the it was Michigan University and Dungeons & Dragons was being blamed for this kid going missing in the steam tunnels underneath the university. They said they were pl- right. playing it and it went out of hand and he's lost down there and dead and turns out he was hiding in somebody else's home and then moved to someone else's home. And, yeah. right. and it was a non-story. But they, this person made a novel and they made it into a TV movie starring Tom Hanks. I was going to say, yep. isn't Tom Hanks in that? I think, yeah. it's his fir- I think it's his first movie. Yeah. yeah. And he is the bright spot in that movie. He's good in that movie. He's Tom Hanks. But everyone around them is right. is chewing scenery like left and right. Mm. Well, he is uh, America's favorite actor. The the only other actor of import, I can't remember his name right now. That's always good. Uh, but he was <laughs> w- the lead in Meatballs, the young uh, one of the young uh, campers in Meatballs, and he was also in My Bodyguard. So that's what he's known for. Those other two films. Wow. But yeah, it's it's true cheesy, nineteen eighty two. Chris Makepeace, maybe that's the one. Chris Makepeace. That's, yeah, that's a familiar name. And if yeah, if you want to see eighties television movies, even down to the just horrible, you just start. I started laughing out loud from the soundtrack because there was this weird friendship duet going on that would be appropriate for say like Dion Warwick of the time. Mm. So. But yeah, if you if you want to see Dungeons and Dragons get weirdly maligned by bad script and acting, check out Mazes and Monsters. It's you know it's, what's also really sad about that whole thing. the The actual real story is something of a statement on American homophobia, because Dallas, I think his name was Dallas Egbert. Yes, the third. The third was struggling with coming out and having a really hard time with that. And got involved with drugs, and that was why he disappeared. Yeah, he went down to take uh, to kill himself with drugs, and it was unsuccessful. Right in the steam tunnels. Yeah. yeah, and then the private investigator found him, and and he said, "Please don't reveal to the world I'm alive." <laughs> so the guy waited, um, and it was at. Egbert I think at that point he killed. moved to another state. Right. Another state. Yeah. Yeah. He found him in another like Louisiana, state. Louisiana, I think. You know, your attempt to bring this around to the lighter side has completely failed. It's and a now, dark story. Now it's become a very special episode of <laughs> yeah, Big yeah, Shock. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that poor guy killed himself. Yeah. 
and he was successful the, the third time. Yeah. The uh, the the private investigator finally, it was like ten years later, revealed it 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 had nothing to do with Dungeons and Dragons and and told the story. Mm-hmm. Sure. So yeah. it was it was really it was really sad what that poor guy went through. Sure. And in the meantime, his mother created bad. Yeah. Bothered about Dungeons and Dragons, right? And, and was and, out there champ- championing the the end of Dungeons and Dragons to the news and propelling Dungeons and Dragons to new heights it never knew before. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. So even even though there's, there's a huge tragic story here, it's one of the reasons why Dungeons and Dragons became so popular. And it was so funny because of the Dungeons and Dragons angle, the authorities originally got a hold of TSR and and Gary Gygax. And was asking for help as to clues as to what happened, <laughs> and wow. like giving them giving them maps to dungeons and stuff like that, so that they can see if they if there's any kind of like coded oh, something wow. or other in there. And uh, Gygax, I remember, and and other TSR staffers at the time wrote that they dedicated month or two, so, uh, quite a bit of time analyzing everything they got, and finally came back to the authorities with. We can't find anything. There's nothing here. If this documentary doesn't exist, it needs to. Yeah. Well, mm. um, it's uh, if the person who would do it would be John Peterson, who wrote uh, Playing at the World, which is the seminal uh, book on the creation of Dungeons and Dragons. But um, it, it, it's, it's crazy because they cooperated with the authorities, worked with them. The hysteria is being created. They're selling 10,000 units a month. Which for RPGs now is most of them don't even hit that for a lifetime, and it, it, it yeah they yeah it's all weird it's all like, weird and that's before they got the time. dice right what that's before they got the dice right that's when the dice still fell apart after eight rolls what no no they they had that they were good by then they were good by then. okay. The dice used to fall. The original up. dice you used to get with the with Dungeons and Dragons. What they made a wax? They called them mud dice. They were they were just terrible. They yeah, would, they would literally. I think it was a sell off. They called them polyhedrals because that's the geometry term, and it was actually used for some kind of like a geometry class or something like that. Uh-huh. And there was a huge stock. And so they they folded them all in. They stamped numbers on them, and uh, they yeah, and the the they had numbers stamped on oh, them okay. for the for the purposes of of the kids using them for whatever reason, but they weren't inked. They provided a crayon for you to fill in the numbers and the in the D and D box sets. I had mm-hmm. that box set with those. Yes, yeah, yeah. I don't remember them falling apart though. Well, they didn't fall apart. The edges just wore off. Yeah, yeah. They they, they they were not they were not. High impact dice, yeah. you know, like Chessex yeah. and <laughs> and the others uh, eventually created. Mm-hmm. So I've got mine from uh, one of the 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 red box, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's those are those are barely discernible as anything lumps of blue plastic. <laughs> it's, they are they have aged. <laughs> wow. What a digression. Yeah. Yeah, but at yeah. least you got to the funny part. Oh, yeah. Carry well, a- Andy, <laughs> in, in, a, in a remarkable turn of events, Andy comes in and grabs the pillow off the face. That's right. And tries like, to give the like, kiss of life right. to the poor, suffering subject. It's a special for my birthday. <laughs> Trust me, this will bring you back. <laughs> News you don't give a shit about. Sci-Fi has finally revealed the title for its fifth Sharknado film. Oh, God. Oh God. Sharknado 5? Sharknado 5 Global Swarming. 
Oh my Christ! And it will premiere August sixth on Sci-Fi. The the ploy finds heroes Finn Shepard and his bionic wife April. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. Played by Tara Reid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to rescue their young son who is trapped in Sharknado and carried all over the world. The action will take place in London, Rio, Tokyo, Rome, Amsterdam, and a few other locations. Holy shit! Mm -hmm. So here's a cameos breakdown. Oh, excellent. Oh, boy. Fabio as the Pope. Nice! (laughs) (laughs) Tony Hawk as a masterful weapons operative strategist. Clay Aiken as Llewellyn, a cutting-edge technology genius. <clears throat> Olivia Newton-John and daughter Chloe Latanzi as Orion and Electra, two brilliant scientists who help defend Australia from a looming Sharknado. Mm. Brent Michaels as a visiting artist that gets trapped in the storm. Margaret Cho as a Brent? fuss. Sorry? Brent Michaels? Or Brett? Brett. Brett. Okay. Sounds like the rocker. Yes. Okay. That's why I wanted to... Clarify. Who the fuck is Brent Michael? Exactly. That's. It sounded like you said Brent. Oh, Brent. oh it sounded like you said and a that nobody. confused you as to who that might be. Jeff, <laughs> get Brent. <laughs> oh, you reached on that one. Ah, wow. <laughs> you do not have to give him that one. <laughs> All right. Margaret Cho as a fussy bride whose honeymoon is interrupted by sharks. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. I hate it when sharks cross your wedding party. This next one might be my favorite. Okay. Sharo as the Queen of England. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm, this is the first Sharknado movie I've ever been remotely I've interested. only seen the fourth one, and I saw it at the premiere in, here in town. And uh, it, it was bizarre to see that thing hopping into the fourth. It's like, wow, there's backstory here. There's a, I mean, there's a, <laughs> whoa. Wait, wait. I'm just supposed to accept this bionic woman suddenly? Okay, fine. All right. Mm. Oh, there's more. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that in the fourth one she showed up. Yeah. Gilbert Gottfried as Storm Chaser Ron McDonald. Today hosts Al Roker, Kathy Lee Gifford, and Hoda Kotb as themselves. As what? Carry on. Uh, Olympic diving medalist Greg Luganis as Zico, a high-end art thief. And Tom Daly as himself. Olympic free-skiing medalist Guy Kensworthy. And NBC News investigative correspondent Jeff Rosen as themselves. Portia Williams from The Real Housewives of Atlanta as Andromeda, an archaeologist and member of the elite Sharknado Sisterhood. (sighs) Tiffany New York Pollard from Flavor of Love as Vega, a Brazilian black market artifacts dealer. Chris Catan as the Prime Minister of England. Kat Greenleaf from Talk Soup as Dan and Dan Fogler from Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them as themselves. And Ross Mullen from Game of Thrones as Dr. Wobegon, a scientist who have ma- who's made a breakthrough in meteorological studies to track Sharknado storms. Well, props to uh, shock monkey Thomas Bailey for getting a role in a Sharknado movie. Mm. You said Tom Bailey? I assume that's his screen name. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> Didn't he say it? Am I the only one who heard this? I, I can't find it in this mess. Oh, my mm. God. I can't believe there's five of them. If you ever want, that's ex- what the producers are saying. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever want to experience a Sharknado in its best way, uh, riff tracks on the first one, mm. you, you won't be disappointed. Weekend Geek. Yes. 
Wow, we actually made it to weekend. <laughs> Do we yes. have enough time for it? <laughs> hey, he found the right angle. Don't hey. worry. The man who created Wonder Woman in the early 1940s, Will- William Moulton Marston, is also getting a movie. Oh, excellent. Oh, my God. This is going to be a kinky movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anna Perna Pictures has released the first short teaser for Professor Marston and the Wonder Women, which centers on the creation of the beloved DC character, written and directed by Angela Robinson. Uh, who's behind the L Word and writer for True Blood. Perfect. The biopic stars Luke Evans as Dr. William William Bolton Marston, uh, Rebecca Hall as his wife, Elizabeth Marston, and Bella Heathcote as Olive Byrne. Uh, Kali Britton and Oliver Platt also star. Here's a synopsis. In a superhero origin tale unlike any other, this is the true story of 1940s Harvard psychologist Dr. William Bolton Marston. Got it right that time. The inventor of the lie detector and creator of the iconic Wonder Woman, who defends his feminist superhero against charges of sexual perversity, while at the same time maintaining a secret that could have destroyed him. Unknown to others, Marston's inspiration for Wonder Woman was his wife Elizabeth Marston and their lover, Olive Byrne, two empowered women in the field of psychology who defend convention... Defied, sorry. Defied convention. Very different. (laughs) 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 Wake up, Andy. Wake up. (laughs) Building a secret life together with Marston that rivaled the greatest of superhero disguises. Ah, the polygraph. Spoiler alert. They're kinky. uh, (laughs) There was actually a preview for this movie before Wonder oh, Woman last year. Was there really? Uh, and oh. you and I saw it at the same theater, Jeff, so I assume you probably saw it too. Maybe it was I that didn't. really bizarre, very short te- tease. It didn't seem what the w- movie was, just said had like a scene of a 1940s Wonder Woman style dress, lights come on, a, a woman in that dress, and then it was a website. I didn't get that one. Really? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get that. See that one either. I didn't wow. see that one either. So, so that's on its way already with a teaser trailer. So it's probably not too far off. It should be very. I mean, as I understand it, they were a very happy trio. Yes. Yeah. But kinky. Yes. Good that's off to I him. I guess. When they call the maybe maybe very happy though. trio and kinky is better, not butt kinky. After over seventeen years of trying to bring the film to life. Writer and director Terry Gilliam has wrapped production on The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. This film has been plagued with problems for years. There's even a documentary called Lost in La Mancha that documents the issues that the film faced the first time Gilliam tried to have it made. Uh, The movie features Adam Driver uh, from Star Wars The Force Awakens, Jonathan Price as Don Quixote, uh, Stellan Skarsgård, and Olga Krylenko. From Oblivion? Kurlyenko. Okay. Uh, the man who killed Don Quixote tells the story of a deluded old man who is convinced he is Don Quixote and who mistakes Toby, an advertising executive, as his trusty squire, Sancho Panza. The pair embark on a bizarre journey, lump- jumping back and forth in time between the 21st and magical 17th century. Gradually, like the infamous knight himself, Toby becomes consumed by the illusory, illusory world and unable to determine his dreams from reality. The tale culminates in a phantasmagorical and emotional finale where Toby takes on the mantle of Don Quixote de la Mancha. Gilliam offered the following statement regarding the completion of the film. Finally, I did it. <laughs> That's what it down to. That's pretty much what boils down to. <laughs> it would just be a one word. Res- done. <laughs> 
Don Quixote is a dreamer, an idealist, and a romantic determined not to accept the limitations of reality, marching on regardless of setbacks as we have done. We've been at it so long that the idea of actually finishing shooting this clandestine film is pretty surreal. Any sensible person would have given up years ago, but sometimes pig-headed dreamers win at the end. So thank you to all of the ill-paid fantasists and believers who have joined to make this long-standing dream a reality, unquote. Amazon Studios is set to distribute the film, but there's no release date as of yet. That's great. I'm looking forward to it. There was a... On one of the NPR weekend shows, there was a thing about the um, um, La Mancha. There was a whole thing about the first book. And apparently, it's, it's, it's one of the first huge bestsellers. Okay. And then, so somebody else wrote a sequel to it. And Cervantes wrote his own sequel in which Don Quixote tracks down the author of the unauthorized sequel and gets him to admit it was fake. Oh, oh. how meta. Wow. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yes. Uh, uh, um um, Don Quixote is considered the first modern novel, yeah. essentially. Wow, that is <laughs> yes, amazing. Yeah, is. <laughs> that, is, that is really just great. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Hulu announced it has picked up Marvel's Runaways. It's based on the award-winning Marvel comics created by Brian K. Vaughn and Adrian Alfonso. The superhero series is the brainchild of Gossip Girl creators Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage and is co-produced by Marvel Television and ABC Signature. Executive produced by Marvel, head of TV Jeff Loeb and Jim Corey, who's also part of Marvel's Daredevil, alongside Schwartz and Savage. Runaways tells the story of six diverse teenagers who can barely stand each other, but who must unite against a common foe, their parents, unquote. It was originally ordered to pilot with some backup scripts. So Hulu, Hulu has picked that up. I believe that was a red light, green light for a while that back. That sounds so. familiar, yeah. Uh, Ronald G. Moore's sci-fi anthology, Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams, has been picked up for 10 episodes on Amazon Prime. Moore will be joined behind the scenes by Brian Cranston, who will also star in at least one episode, and Michael Dinner from Justified. The series will be based on short stories of the seminal sci-fi author. No word on which specific stories the series will adapt, but there are certainly a lot to choose from. So it's Twilight Zone and Philip K. Dick stories. Sure. Perfect. Uh, Dick wrote around 100 short stories, and though several have already made it to the screen, there are still dozens upon dozens waiting to mm -hmm. be explored. Uh, Moore and Dinner will be writing the scripts alongside Travis Beecham from Pacific Rim, Tony Grissoni from Fear and Loathing Las Vegas, Jack Thorne, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, Matthew Graham behind Doctor Who, and David Farr from The Night Manager, and Dee Rees from Bessie. The series has taken a long road to the screen, originally getting its start over at AMC and Channel 4, both of which eventually decided not to take the concept series. Bounced around in the market for a while, and Amazon finally pulled the trigger. But no word when we will see it, but 2018 seems likely. AMC success for like, is there a zombie in it? <laughs> no? Every time I hear Electric uh, Dreams, I think of that dumb 84 movie with the, it the was computer. not dumb. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I didn't think it was dumb at the time, but mm. I look back on it now, and I'm like, that's pretty dumb. It's a box I remember at the video store, but I never saw the movie. Soundtrack by Tangerine Dream. Yeah. Uh, if I remember right, it's about a guy. I love triangle, triangle between a guy, a girl, and the guy's computer. That's correct. Okay. It's Yeah, it's like Cyrano de Bergerac, except that the computer is writing all these songs for 
the girl that he's that it's in love with as well as the guy that owns the computer is in love with so the guy is using the songs that the computer writes to woo her is the song electric dreams in it yes it is then it's a good movie mm-hmm. <laughs> together in electric dreams <laughs> oh I might, I might have to throw it on my uh my netflix dvd queue yeah. i already threw the apple on there so it's not far away from yeah, it okay. so uh, Lucasfilm has recently announced the upcoming publication of a new Star Wars novel titled Inferno Squad, a continuation of the Rogue One story from the darkened perspective of the Empire. Written by Christy Golden, the extension of the Star Wars saga chronicles the exploits of a team of Imperial commandos as they strike back against the fragments of Saw Gerrera's partisan rebels after the morale-crushing events of Rogue One and A New Hope. Here's the official description. The Rebels may have heroes like Jin Erso and Luke Skywalker, but the Empire has Inferno Squad. After the humiliating theft of the Death Star plans and the resulting destruction of the battle station, the Empire is on the defensive. In response to this stunning defeat, the Imperial Navy has authorized the formation of an elite team of soldiers known as Inferno Squad. Their mission? Infiltrate and eliminate the remnants of Saw Gerrera's partisans. Following the death of their leader, the partisans have carried on his extremist legacy, determined to thwart the Empire no matter the cost. Now Inferno Squad must prove their status as the best of the best and take down the partisans from within. But as the danger intensifies and the threat of discovery grows, how far will Inferno Squad go to ensure the safety of the Empire? Inferno Squad gets released July 25th. Sounds interesting. Hmm. I, I, yeah, I actually like that. Right. I mean, as long as you don't go to Horace Heresy levels, I'm mm-hmm. cool with books from another perspective of the same story. Now you have me just, I'm, I'm backing out what I just said. Wow. Doing it no more. Oh. Wow. You Horace is heresy. And the pillow strikes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, give him back that pillow. <laughs> AMC is ramping up development on three new projects. All three properties are being labeled as straight-to-series and shoved into the writers' rooms for further explorations as to whether the premises will hold up as multi-episode show. It's a rigorous boot camp for engaging projects that uh, weeds out the most promising candidates to move on to a greenlit pilot and eventually series. So, why don't we help them out, gentlemen? A little red light, green light. Oh, my God. The AMC edition. It should be fun. The first project, Nosferatu. This Great is, red light. <laughs> this is spelled N-O-S, number four, letter A, number two. It's a license plate. Well, mm. haven't you talked about this already? I have. Jamie O'Brien, executive producer, based on the novel Nosferatu by Joe Hill, executive producer as well. Description, Victoria McQueen has a secret gift for finding things. A misplaced bracelet, a missing photograph, answers to unanswerable questions. Charles Manx has a way with children. He likes to take them for rides, transporting them to an astonishing and terrifying playground of amusements he calls Christmas Land. Nothing, really? Vic, Nothing from you? Vic, with her gift... It sort of writes itself. Is the, <laughs> ...is the only one able to track the superhuman Manx, but finding him is the easy part. Defeating Manx and rescuing his victims will take everything Vic's got and nearly kill her in the process. Nosferatu. I'm going to go with Jeff on this one. Red light. What? 
dude, it's Joe Hill. I know. Mm-hmm. He that's needs. That's why I'm torn on it. You know, I mean, after his dad's gone, what's he gonna do for money? <laughs> so you, you, we got to give this guy some business. So I, I will say this: green light of all the Joe Hill novels that I've read, this is his most Stephen King. Hmm. Nosferatu. Well, the other novels, uh, Joe Hill has his own feel. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's good a writer as his dad is, but you can tell a Joe Hill novel from a King novel. Nosferatu is the first one that I would have a hard time telling the difference. Wow, well, where does it run in the? Uh, is it like his third or fourth book, or is it his first book? Or? Uh, that is his. I think that was his second book. Okay. So after after Horns, and then he had twenty twentieth century ghosts, which was a source. Short story collection, mm-hmm. so you can't really call that a novel. I wonder place. if it was actually his first, and then he shelved it and wrote the second one. And no, I'm pretty sure no? it was. Okay, well, right. Anyway, it's green light. I'm it's Joe Hill. Ha! I'm with you, <laughs> Jeff. You're still on the fence. Mm. I really want to go with my first initial thought of red light, but it is Joe Hill. So, and it doesn't sound like a standard. I mean, we know why you said red light. I'm just over it's, the vampire thing. But it's not I have a been standard. for a while. I know, and that's why I was like, mm. can I let you in on a secret? What? There's no vampires in this. Oh! <laughs> Spoiler alert. Oh, fine. I'll green light it. Yay! <laughs> it's one over. That's, that's the license plate that's on Manx's uh, limousine, I believe he drives. Ooh. Here's the next one. It's called Pandora. Sam Vincent, Jonathan Brackey, executive producers. Description. Pandora is a global mystery thriller that follows three converging storylines. Story as ordinary individuals try to piece together dark secrets leading out into the world after advanced malware dismantles encryption across the internet. Oh. That's all I got. That's I, all, I was going to say. You, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not that's, giving us that, a whole lot. That's the prologue. That, that's some of the problems with some of these. I don't have the actual pitch they gave us. So, yeah. mm. so this, is, this is the description they're willing to give us so far. Hmm. I read light until I hear more. But yeah, really? Yeah. That's yeah. not enough to work on. Yeah, that's not enough to... I get that. I get that. We so don't we'll... even need Matt to red light it. <laughs> so we'll move on to silent history then. Little, looks like there's a little more description on this one. Producer Oliver uh, Shiflet, based on the app and novel The Silent History by Eli Horowitz, Matthew Derby, and Kevin Moffat. The description, an adaptation of the award-winning app and novel created by Eli Horowitz, Matthew Derby, and Ke- uh, Kevin Moffat. But, wow. Wow. I, the Department of Redundancy Department. The silent history tells the story of a generation of unusual children born without the ability to create or comprehend language, but perhaps with other surprising skills of their own. As the condition, condition spreads to epidemic levels, theories form, and society is faced with how to deal with this new evolution of human. Silent history plays on the fears of technology and the threats of the other, shaking up our assumptions about who we are and how we should live. Mm. Silent history. Wow. Red Res- light. Resign me to, um, yeah, red light. I'm on the fence. I kind of like it, but I kind of don't. I think AMC needs a better marketing department. Yeah, it's not grabbing me. I mean, I'll, 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 yeah. I'll ride with it until, yeah. 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 Red light. Wow. Sorry, AMC. You're going to have to either describe it better or really work in they the need a copywriter. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly what they need. Good copywriter. 
Uh, so how about we go to a whole another one, and we'll keep the red light, green light going a little bit. Anonymous content has landed the rights to Sleeping Beauties. More Beauties. King. The upcoming supernatural suspense novel by horror master Stephen King and his son Owen King. Anonymous will be partnering with, partnering with the Kings to develop Sleeping Beauties as a TV series. Set for a September release by Simon & Schuster's Scriber, this is the book, Sleeping Beauties takes place in the near future of a small Appalachian town whose primary employer is a women's prison. Something. Ah, green lights. Green light. Oh, man. (laughs) Something happens when the women go to sleep. They become shrouded in a cocoon-like gauze. If they are awakened, the gauze wrapping their bodies is disturbed or violated. The women become feral and spectacularly violent. And while they sleep, they go to another place. Meanwhile, the men are abandoned, left to their increasingly primal devices. One woman, the mysterious Evie, is immune to the blessing or curse of the sleeping disease. Oscar-winning producer Michael Sugar and Ashley Zalta will executive produce the series. Uh, Sugar and Zalta are also executive producing Netflix mystery (laughs) drama The OA. Sugar and Zalta? Sugar and Zalta. Ah, that's awesome. Recently renewed for a second season. And the high-profile upcoming Netflix Maniac starring Emma Stone and Jonah Hill with Carrie Funkanaga directing. 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 <laughs> Which is set to go into production at the end of the summer. Stephen King has published more than 60 novels, books, and short story collections and has sold 350 million plus copies. How many kids does this guy have? He has three. Oh, okay. <laughs> two, two of which are writers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, and Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Owen's got a need, gonna need money someday, so you know, let's get the guy <laughs> some uh, cash. What's the third kid do? Yeah. What does the other one do? I believe his uh, daughter, mm-hmm. and I'm not, sh- but not sure what she's done. Mm-hmm. Bricklayer. She stays very out of the limelight. That one. Oh. <laughs> yeah, she's a bricklayer. She's <laughs> a bricklayer. <laughs> she works in a woman's prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Green light. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, aside from Kirsten's uh, cage heats fantasies, this sounds interesting. Yeah, sure. Sleeping Beauties. Yeah, go for it. What do you mean? Green. They go to sleep. They're wrapped in gauze. They wake up mummies. <laughs> that was, that, that's, 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 uh, that's my pillow. Uh, <laughs> not me. No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know on that one. Oh. Ah. What's, what's, uh, what's grabbing you or not grabbing you? just doesn't sound all that interesting really all the I women mean, are gone the men are left to fend for themselves I mean, it's it's a trope that's been used before sure so. why the last man has done it but the but gauze dude, man the gauze dude it's all it's about king, the gauze. though it's king uh king either does does one of either thing he either writes something that on the surface you're just like eh but it turns out to be pretty pretty sure. deep sure or he takes something that you're like yeah right been done to death and he gives it a little something else. Pizzazz. I mean, gauze. Pizzazz. Yeah, gauze. He gauze. gives you gauze. <laughs> oh, fine. Sugar Pizzazz. and salt. Green light it. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most wow. tortured green light I've ever heard. Oh, green light. <laughs> Shock him again, Andy. Grab the pillow. All right, green light. He doesn't appreciate your lobbying. <laughs> And here I am, all impressed with me turning people around. <laughs> you know, let's do another one. Yay! <laughs> oh God! <laughs> what the hell? Shirley Jackson. <laughs> Shirley Jackson's 1959 book, *The Haunting of Hill House*. Don't call me Shirley. Is being developed as a 10-episode series by Netflix. 
Steven Spielberg's Amblin TV and Paramount's television division. The project's been ordered straight into production. The filmmaker attached to the series is Mike Flanagan, the acclaimed horror specialist whose films so far include Oculus, Before I Wake, Hush, Ouija, or Origins of Evil, and an upcoming Netflix adaptation of Stephen King's novel, Gerald's Game. Flanagan will write and direct the show from Jackson's text, which follows a quartet of investigators who set out to prove whether the title mansion, which has a long and ghastly history of murder, suicide, and more, is, in fact, haunted. Jackson's book is considered one of the masterpieces of supernatural fiction, one of the great novels of the 20th century. The novel was acclaimed for focusing on the psychological effect of the house on the characters, as well as Jackson's subtle use of unseen terrors instead of outright in-your-face manifestations. It has an indelible impact on just about every haunted house story written in its wake. The book was adapted. Uh, book was adapted. Directory and adapted. The book was adapted faithfully by director Robert Wise. Text on my phone. In 1963. Right. As a film that itself is considered one of horror cinema's milestones and remade in 1999 by director Jan de Bont, which threw out everything that made the original story so eerie. Uh, the novel's just over 200 pages long, so it seems the filmmaker will have to add or expand the material to make it into a 10-hour series. Not a huge fan of haunted house stories, but I'm a huge fan of Jackson, so green light. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I don't care for either, but they came in with a sack of money, so my, my production <laughs> company will green light it. <laughs> green light. Your production money company? <laughs> You want, you want to read it too? Go on. You can you can read it. <laughs> Jeff Kirsten, The Haunting of Hill House, Shirley Jackson, Steven Spielberg's Amblin Entertainment for Netflix. Uh, Spielberg, right there. Shirley Jackson. Now keep in mind, Spielberg was the producer of the last one, the remake. That's uh, is not everyone's favorite cup of tea. Well, that's well, so. Spielberg okay. is a producer anytime Amblin is involved. That's even though right. He typically sure. has no hands on. Sure, but the, I, ha- but the hands-on guy has a lot of horror pedigree. Well, that okay. You tell you tell me about that guy, Torgo. Those films. What have you seen? What have you liked? What was? What did you like about him? The only ones that I have seen has been Oculus, and Oculus got a lot of critical praise. Oculus didn't do a whole lot for me. Mm-hmm. So it's it was one that I was like, meh. Ooh. Uh, not that it wasn't well directed, but I was more the story just didn't do much for me. That's ooh, that's damning with I don't know I- any praise, but mm. I don't know. But <clears throat> that's that's kind of a tough sell then. But I, I uh, my my concern actually would be the the ten episode stretch because now Netflix is very dangerously looming, going into the zone of. Instead of taking 10 or 12 episode stories and making a series of them, they're dangerously coming close to taking a three or four episode story and forcing them to make it 10, and and it suffers. Because almost all of the Marvel Netflix, incredibly good as the very best of them are, almost every single one of those series, you can point to a couple of episodes of this is obviously Stretch. Uh, or a couple more, depending on the series. So that that actually does worry me a bit. Um, but if this guy brings enough horror to it and the right kind of horror, that would be cool. Because you're right. If it's like the 99, I saw the 99, and that was just a, 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 a CGI wank fest. 
and it was very much against the whole notion of the the story sure because it, it was brought you're seeing stuff happen you're seeing beds trap people right and, and in broad daylight yeah. no less it's not even like it gets spooky dark they they did a uh, a huge overlit so you can really marvel at all the cgi type of display um <clears throat> whereas i also remember seeing the 63 movie as a kid and it making me shit my pants it it, it was one of the reasons why i had a hard time <laughs> sleeping with with the lights off as a kid for a while hey i like it but um if if they go that route i think we i think 10 episode horror 10 episodes of in a haunted house is a supreme challenge and if they pull it off that would be that would be amazing work sure and unlike andy haunted house is my favorite horror trope uh, that's that's i will gravitate to haunted house stories left and right well there you go so i'm but i have the same concerns you do because this is a very specific piece, a very loved novella. You have to mess with that story to expand it that far. It, I, the one concept I can see being cool is because they spend, don't they spend one night in the house or do they spend a weekend? I can't remember. I think it's more than one night, but I'm not positive. What if, if they made it one night and actually the 10 episodes was real time? So it was 10 hours of them in that house. And every episode is one of those hours. I like that. That's interesting. That would be... That certainly sells me just... Even if it wasn't uh, that, I, I'm sold on that concept. Yeah, that, that would be really interesting. But, hey, you know, I'm just some podcasting schmuck in Las Vegas. <laughs> right. And Jeff, what did you say about... Well, you didn't have to I agree didn't, so I quick, I didn't think Jeff. you did, so... <laughs> I was waiting for Kirsten to finish. Uh, you know... <laughs> I'm not saying anything against no. you. <laughs> you. You you were on a roll. I was letting you finish. No, I, I'm just kidding. Just, just let him finish. <laughs> you got to give him um, that one. <laughs> like a dog yeah, hopping a leg. I, and I like the green light. Er, I want to green light it because of the pedigree. All right. Even though go. even though the Rob Wise film is is an amazing film, the 99 film, not so much. But, it, you know. Little little trivia about that '99 film: the exterior shots was the college I went to in England when I lived there. Oh, yeah. ah. So that the the Hill House of the '99 reboot, yeah, I lived there. Wow. Right. Well, that explains a few things. Yeah. Wow. And, and they does. filmed a few uh, shots within that house. It's called the Harlexton Manor, and uh, yeah, it's a beautiful home. So I like that movie just because it was filmed at the manor. Sure. All right. Sure. What are you, red light and green light? Write to us, comments at uglycountshow.com. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Back Jack Dandy. Maple Leaf Matt. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. All right. I forgot that. Um, I ha- thank you, everybody, for all the birthday wishes, but especially Thomas Bailey. Woohoo! Nice. <laughs> oh. Yeah, the, the Thomas uh, did a, sent me a happy birthday thing of a woman. Covered really enjoying cake. a cake. <clears throat> oh, covered in nothing but cake. Covered in cake. <laughs> wow. All right. I have a new fantasy. All was mm. all with all was missing was a couple candles. Mm. Light them up. Drip that wax over her naughty yes, little that's, that's your body. Cake, and just what? Oh, that's I'm not my sorry. Cake. Whoa, where's this going? Are we still Jesus. recording. <laughs> so are we talking about encasing a woman in cake and then wax? <laughs> well, that's that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> Wow! Yes.